Well, hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us at the Speak Up with Laura Camacho podcast, where we talk about conversations that can change lives and make the world a better place. And we talk about things that not everybody will talk about. I was just telling our guest today, his name is Martin Brooks. Martin is a body language expert, and he is joining us from St. Alban, United Kingdom. And I was just telling him that I didn't realize he was from the UK. And so I thought I was interviewing a Brit, but he corrected (laughs) me. And so we can all relax. He's not British. He's Irish. So that's the what we're who we're going to hear from today is the Irish Martin Brooks on body language. And he has this very cool set of cards. You can't see them. We're going to talk about it's called the body language decoder. You can get that on Amazon. But listen to this 50 cards to reveal what they're really thinking. Mm. So we'll start off and, and let Martin tell us like how he became this body language master. And welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. It's fantastic to be here. Thank you very much for the for, for taking the time out. Happy to. Happy to talk to you. And I want to hear about your cards. So how did you become, like, what's your story? Did you just start reading your mom's body language when you were <laughs> five? Like, she's in a bad mood. Don't tell her that you broke the china. Yeah, well, I, well, uh, well, funnily enough, in my childhood, it was my stepmother's tone of voice actually was, was one of the main driving forces that there was a certain way she could say my name. And depending on how she said my name, I knew just how much trouble I was in. And if you said it a particular way, I knew to duck because it was probably something careering towards the back of my head at that moment in time. But the interest in body language really came uh, in, in adulthood. You know, it wasn't something that I was really aware of as a child or even as a, as a teenager, particularly. I think certainly there's certain studies go that, that, that women have got a much better developed sense of body language, are much better able naturally to read people. And I think men have to learn it. We're just not one of those things that we're particularly good at. But my interest came from... This idea, uh, when I came, uh, started studying psychology as part of you know, my self-employment back you know, about 20 years ago, and I was really always really interested. One of the things that lecturer said was, if you look at people who are good at what they do, but then the people who are brilliant at what they do, and, it's, and this, this wonderful phrase that he said, what's the difference that makes the difference? What are the people who are really good consistently all the time? What is it that they do differently than the people who are more average do? And and looking at that difference and what's that difference? And I had a a background before uh, I run my own training and consultancy business for over 20 years. Prior to that, my career was in sales and sales leadership. And I started my career on the 15th of August, 1991, as a sales consultant in the travel industry. So my first job was as a travel agent. That's where I started. And I spent 11 wonderfully fun and highly under, underpaid years in the travel industry, uh, built up a career in, in sales and sales leadership. And 18 months after joining my first company, I won the coveted Sales Consultant of the Year Award. And I, I always say to people, that's the last time I won anything on pure talent. On pure, <laughs> it was because every, from that point forward, it's always about learning. What can you do differently? What can you, what can you learn? And I was always paying attention to other people around me who were good at selling and going, well, how do you do that? What, what, how do you address customers? How do you ask better questions? How do you build 
better relationships? How do you resolve conflict? And that idea was always in my head that if I want to get better, just hang out with people who are better than me at things and figure out, well, what's the difference? And I, so I always had that mindset because I knew I, I wanted to improve. I wanted to progress in my career, wanted to get better. And then got promoted. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm now a, a branch manager. I became an area manager. I was running a number of branches of that agency within central London. So now I've got responsibility for training and motivating and developing other people. So that, so my, so that we began, oh, yeah, you're a great salesperson. Great. Now teach other people how to do it. And then it was like, oh, gosh, yeah, I better have something intelligent to say rather than just do what I do. So I started critically analyzing, well, how do I do it? And that whole mindset then was very, became very formed from the early part of my career, my early exposure to leading other people and thinking about what's the difference that makes the difference. And then body language became a part of that uh, later on in my career. And I really started studying that formally, looking for that better competitive edge and build better communication between people. So are there body language differences with culture differences? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, you get culture. I mean, you get you get certain constants. You know, you know. So, so for example, facial expression doing across the world, a big beaming smile says, "I'm happy to see you." You know, there is there isn't a culture at anywhere in the world where smile doesn't mean happy. You you, don't, you certainly get nuances and you get cultural differences. Now, I don't position myself as a cultural expert because there are so many nuances all the way around the world. But it's always fascinating. I mean, for, for, for example, um, one difference is like I talk about the essence gesture and this is where if you imagine you have your hand out in front of you with your fingers pointing away and then you bring the tips of your fingers and your thumb together and we call this the, the essence gesture so if your your fingertips the tips of your fingers and the tips of your thumb are all pointing upwards towards the sky but with your hand, palm of your hand facing towards your face, we say that's the essence gesture. So when you say that the key thing that I want to get across is, so that's the essence gesture. But in Italy, that's a rude gesture. <laughs> when you do that to people, that come on, what's the matter with you? That that's something that means gotcha. something quite different. So you do get generalizations, but then you also get cultural nuances as well. And one thing that I found fascinating, I did a, a bunch of work in about 2007, 2008 in Russia. I did a lot of work in Russia. And for example, being British and Irish, you know, the idea of, of body spacing, how much, if you're in a queue, how much space do you leave between you and the person who's in front of you in the queue? So I remember joining this queue to go into the Kremlin as a tourist, you know, one of my days off and look around and what have you. And I saw the queue for the ticket office and I joined at the back, what I thought the back of the queue and left a respectful distance mm-hmm. between what in, in, in my British culture between the person I, I was and the person in front of me. Now, a Russian person came along, looked at that gap and went, clearly I wasn't in the queue and just stepped in between me and the person <laughs> in front of us. And I was like aghast. I'm like, you're so, I mean, to a point that his furry hat was actually tickling my nose, you know, that, <laughs> that big furry hat that he was. And I'm like, wow, this guy's literally in my face and discussion with with my uh, russian host the following day going yeah well you know that that that's that's not a gap they thought that you were you weren't in the queue you just happened to be standing near the end of the queue because russians don't have that same idea of of personal space 
So you do get these cultural variances, which I find absolutely fascinating. And you normally find out about them when you've done something wrong. But then, oh, you know, absolutely. I, you know, that, that's when the fun really, what did I just do to offend you? Or what have I just said? Right. But I, but I focus on, you know, what are those, certainly in Western culture, you know, uh, European, British, American, you know, what are those things that have got much more of a general meaning that people can then utilize to be more effective when communicating? Oh, that is so interesting. And I, I and I think the Russian guy could have should have asked you, like, are you in the line <laughs> or not? But well, maybe I, I just I looked Russian to him. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, so. maybe that was I, I was passing for a Russian. <laughs> Absolutely. That's funny. All right. So of course, you people who are listening to this interesting conversation, you know. We Martin and I can see each other because we're having this conversation on Zoom, but you're only hearing it. So I'm gonna have Martin now tell you what my what my body language is communicating to him. And I so just tell shoot it. That means shoot straight, tell me what you see, and I'll respond. Well, that, well that, it was just very interesting the way that you actually asked the question. So tell me, and you pointed to yourself with, uh-huh. with, 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 with both hands, you know, tell me. And then you said what you see. And what you did was you put both hands. So when you said tell me, you pointed towards yourself with both of your hands, probably about up to your collarbone. So I could actually mm-hmm. see that. They said, well, you know, what you see, and, I, and I, what, what is it? And you actually had your hands open, so the palm out. Now that's a very that's a very welcoming gesture. You know, we actually talk about that being the invite gesture. If you say to somebody, "What do you think?" and you put palm out to them, it's almost like an invite. You know, put something in my palm. So when you said, "Well, tell me what you think," I'm open to what you've got to say. You actually had both of your hands out with the palm facing up, literally inviting that feedback. So then there was what we call a congruency between what you were saying and what. So there's the, the language flips coming out of your mouth, but also your body was supporting that. It wasn't contradictory, it was complementing what you were saying. So you pointed to, to yourself and you said me, and then you had your open palms out, which is, is classic inviting information. You know, the, the open, well, I call it the open palm invite gesture. Normally it, people do that at meetings. You know, a good leader will put their hand out and they go, tell me what you think. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Oh, well, what's your response? And it invites it lets people know, particularly if it's a power dynamic, somebody very senior talking mm-hmm. to somebody more junior, sometimes more junior people, are, can I say something? Am I allowed? Mm-hmm. You know, sh- shall I raise my voice? And of course, in that scenario where, where somebody's very powerful, they do the open palm gesture, what do, what do you think? They're much more likely to get a response, much more likely to get an open response. So one of the things that really struck me there, Laura, was, was this idea of congruency. Your, your vocal language and your body language we're both saying the same thing. So mm-hmm. you are much more congruent as a communicator. You're much more believable then. And you'd be much more trustworthy. And if you think about communication, isn't that what we want? We want Absolutely. people to, we want, don't, we want, don't want that niggling duck where you're, uh, where you're saying one thing, but your body language is saying something else. And can we really interact with a person? Well, an open palm gesture says, yeah, absolutely. You know, talk to me. And there's that congruency. And that's what we need to build that trust rather than the little seed of doubt going, yeah, something not quite right about this communicator or this salesperson or this leader. Mm -hmm. I'm getting a funny feeling and I don't know why. And very often that's because there's a mismatch between what people are saying 
and then what their body language is, quote unquote, saying, because it is a language as well. So I wonder, it could be, well, first of all, I have to say, good job, Laura Camacho, for having (laughs) the right body language for being the host of the podcast. And second of all, congruency. So is that like the major theme of work with body language? Is that is that the big boo-boo that people make that they say one thing with their mouth and a different thing with their body? Yeah, well, this is always an interesting one. And it's actually uh, a classic deception tell. So we talk about tells, you know, a poker tell, something in body language that says that something is uh, somebody's thinking or feeling. And there's a particular type of deception tell called what I call a truth slip. And that's where you're saying one thing, but then your body is saying something very different. Right. So if we so if we were to let's let's give a, a cultural example that your listeners would, would know it can look up with these. Uh, President Nixon mm-hmm. very famously came on television and said to people, Well, people need to know whether or not their president's a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. And as he said, I'm not a crook, he nodded his head, yes. So he uh, I'm not a crook, and he nodded his head, yes. And then he went on to say, I earned every cent of that money. And shook his head. No, I didn't. So okay. if you go and you, you look at that clip now on, on YouTube, just, just, just go YouTube, you know, President Nixon, I'm not a crook. And that's what we call a truth slip. That's where there's that incongruency. So he said, I'm not a crook, but nodded his head. Yes. And said, I earned every cent of that money, but nodded his, shook his head. No. So that would be a flag. If you're, that, that, right. would, that would make somebody feel uncomfortable. They may not be able to put their finger on exactly why, but there's like almost like this trust factor comes into play. Do I believe this person? Do I not? So people may not necessarily be consciously aware of exactly what they're, what they're experiencing, but their brain notices a mismatch. There's a mismatch right. between the words that are being said and the body language message that I'm getting. And they, they're not congruent. They don't go together. And that's why we start to get the heebie-jeebies or start to think about, I'm not entirely sure whether I like this person, whether I trust this person, whether I want to work for this person. Because they're, and then they can be, and as in President Nixon's example, it was proven that he was, he was, he was lying at that point in time. You know, there was all sorts, that, that was why he was a, or voluntarily left office before he was kicked out of office, I think is right, right, right. the way I'm saying it. Yeah, I think so. That's very interesting. So I, because I, Coach, a lot of people who feel they're saying that they want more influence, they want more visibility, they feel really weird about promoting themselves. So I can mm. imagine that some of these people would worry it now. They're going <laughs> to, because a lot of them are highly conscientious. <laughs> I'm going to give them something new to worry about. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Are you being congruent? But, yeah. you know, when they're trying to sell, a, you know, pitch a proposal or get that promotion or that job and they don't f- feel confidence. So it, is that possible that their body language is going to give away their lack of courage? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a big thing that I, I've come across I and mean, I've been in training and development for 20 years. And seeing, uh, I used to work with a company years ago, doing a lot of work at London Business School. It's like one of the top business schools on the planet. And we would, there's a course we used to run there called Personal Impact. And that was about all brand you, how you came across. What was, what did your body language say about you? What did your voice say about you? What did your choice of words say about you? And was it, was it at an optimum level? 
And the fascinating thing was there, I would talk to people who'd be on the program before we go into the seminar and they, they, you know, I, they talk about their career and what they'd done. I'm a senior VP of this company. I'm the CEO of that company. Like, oh, wow, he's really, really experienced. And then what would happen, we'd get them up in front of the room and ask them to do a three-minute presentation in front of their peers and me critiquing them. And it would be almost like the nervousness would kick in, you know, that mm-hmm. performance anxiety would kick in. And to a greater or lesser degree, I mean, there were certainly some people, I'm, I'm, I'm almost looking at them going, where's the really confident man or woman that I was just talking to 10 minutes ago? <laughs> right. where, 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 who, who have they been replaced with? You know, I mean, people having, you know, full on what we call brain blanks. I remember one guy just going, he had a slide up behind him with his name and his job title. And I said, hello, my name is. And actually turned and looked at the slide to, to room. You know, he, I mean, we talk about brain blank sometimes, performance anxiety, forgetting names or facts or figures or places. But it's, it was almost looked like he was so nervous he forgot his name. And that's not because uh, his brain somehow had less information than it five minutes ago, but it was because the the environment that that anxiety comes into play. And of course, that comes out in your body language, you know, nervous behavior, like rubbing your hand, which is a self-comfort gesture, breaking eye contact, looking down. Uh, uh, was a gesture we call the ring reassurance, where people will play with their wedding ring when they feel that their audience isn't liking them. They'll remind themselves that somebody does love them, even if nobody in the room does. So those... <laughs> So those nervous that years ago. <laughs> so those those nervous behaviors come out. And again, an audience may not be able to point at the particular nervous behaviors and go, I don't like you or I don't trust you or I don't want to work with you because of that, that, and that. But they just get, mm, I'm not sure. And then somebody else comes along and they do confident hand gestures and they look people in the eye and they remember their facts and figures and they go, oh, yeah. Let's hire, let's hire him. Let's hire her. They, they're just giving me the full package because there's that congruency thing coming in again. There's the, they're doing confident gestures that, rather than nervous gestures. Right. Those, but it, yeah, but it those, could be because they're narcissistic sociopaths also, not, you know. Yeah, well, uh, well, this this is always the interesting thing. I mean, the, <laughs> the, the narcissists are always quite easy to spot because oh, they are think, they? Oh, yeah, because they, they just think they're doing a wonderful job. And they, they, they're their own biggest fan and they have no humility and no empathy. So they're fairly easy to, to, to spot okay. quite quickly. You, you just bring the conversation around to those kind of things or challenge them. That's always another thing. Because if you, the narcissist, you'll be their best friend when you say the right things to them. But then when you go, well, actually, I think that might be a bit of an issue. And they go, what do you mean? Don't you, you know, you, you don't criticize them. And you see, and it's, it's fascinating. You see their body language change way more dramatically than you do with somebody who's not a narcissist. You go, well, actually, I got a bit of feedback for you. I think maybe that would be something you could work on. You know, the average person might go, oh, okay, well, well, what have you got to say? Whereas a narcissist will get instantly upset and you get their back up. Oh, hugely, hugely. Oh, wow. All right, everybody. (laughs) Everybody that fears hiring a narcissist, now you know how not to do that. So I want to talk about the cards. The cards are really lovely. They're illustrated by a woman in Mexico, right? Is that right? Did I read that? Rachel Levitt Ruiz, yes. Yes, Rachel Levitt Ruiz. And so the cards have drawings of different behaviors and in color. And then he gives a a description 
of the behavior that, um, you know, that what, how it is interpreted. So how did you get the idea for these cards? Very interesting. Yeah. Well, it was, the thing that really int- grabbed my interest about this particular project, actually the, the, the publisher came to me okay. and they said, they said we, we have this concept, we call it a gift box. Mm-hmm. And we've done a series and we did one and it was on dreams. So we did a gift box called dream decoder and they had 50 cards with an illustration on one side. And, and they said, so if you dream of, uh, you know, going down a dark path at night or whatever, uh-huh. if you have that, then on the flip side, there was a card. That's probably what this means. So they came to me that actually approached a colleague of mine here in the UK. And for other reason, he just couldn't do it. And they said, can you recommend anybody? And, they, and he went, yes. And that's how I got involved. But when they came to me, they literally had the concept. We want to create this box. We, mm-hmm. we know people love body language. We want to call yes. it body language decoder. And I yes. went, great. And they went, can you do it? And I was like, is that it? Is that, is that all you've got? <laughs> so they literally had the con- It's going to be a box. It's going to be cards. It's about body language over to you. So it was fantastic for me for two reasons. Because one, then I had complete creative control. So I was able to bring in all of my experience from you know over 30 years of work, 20 years of training and developing. And also the thing that was really fascinating about it was the visual aspect. I mean, body language is a visual thing. Right. And to write another body language book, which is all just text. Right. Whereas I, I like the split between this. You know, you get a 50-50. So the cards are probably bigger than a playing card, probably about 30 to 40% bigger than a standard mm-hmm. playing card with beautiful illustrations on one mm-hmm. side. And then that gives plenty of room on the other side for me to explain the gestures, what they mean. And most importantly, and this is always the big thing for me, it's my training development background coming out. I want people to be able to use it. I want mm-hmm. people to be able to put it into effect and be more successful as a communicator and bring about more positive outcomes because they project themselves visually much better. However much fun it is reading other people, I think the real juice, the real value is how can people actually can use it themselves. Mm-hmm. And so how do you, I mean, like what, how do you envision people using it? Just like reading it like a book, you look at the card and you read the back or well, do you do games with these or? Are you that? Well, you can use them in all sorts of ways. And it's been fascinating now that they've been released, you know, people contact me and go, oh, I thought of using it like this way. Uh, one guy contacted me from Australia. Oh, oh, I'm I'm a I'm a trainer, and I'm going to use them in my training room like this. And I thought, oh, it's a great idea. Why not? Good. But the ways that you know the, your average person can can use them, they can kind of dip in. You don't have to read them in sequence, but they're actually split into seven sections, and they're color coded. So you've got deception, I mentioned earlier. You've got power plays. You know the narcissists love the power plays. Uh, confidence expressing interest is somebody interested in me or my content what i'm saying a connection the relationship nervousness being able to read nervousness people want to know that if they're going to an interview if they're doing a business pitch they want to make sure those behaviors they don't do and they probably counteract those with ones from the confidence gesture and then conviction so if you're hiring somebody you know who's the person out of all the good people that's really showing those signs of conviction that they're not just you know looking for a job the next six months, but they really are think, identified your organization or your product or your service. And I really want to do this. So the conviction uh, body language there was always very useful. So a lot of people go into the the, the deck. Oh, I want to I want to learn more about how to project myself more confidently. 
So they go straight mm-hmm. to the, con- the, the, the confidence mm-hmm. cards or, you know, they think, you know, about, well, maybe I, I've had feedback that I look nervous, but I don't know how. What are the nervousness cards? So, so they go and look at those and, and think about, oh, yeah, I do do that. Because that's, this is the big thing, awareness of things. You can't change anything until you're aware of it first. Right. That's the big thing. And most people, even myself included, you know, before I started really learning this, most people have got low levels of awareness of their own body language. They're not aware of the signals that they're necessarily giving out. So what the card deck does, it actually gives people some frames of reference to start to think about what might I be doing? What might that look like? And what message will that send to other people that I'm interacting with? So you get 50 cards here. We'll identify a whole bunch of behaviors. You can start to look, oh, I do do that. Oh, I don't do that. Or maybe I should do that. And then the other fascinating thing that I love doing is providing, and I do this on my LinkedIn profile. Hopefully you can, you can send some people there. I produce videos on there going, well, today Joe Biden did this or huh? the, British, the British prime minister did that. Here's good evidence of these things in practice. And one of the things that has always fascinated me, I've got the, I have to have, I've happened to have the confidence gestures here. We've got the three, uh-huh. I've got a card here. It's entitled the soft and fist gestures. And the, the, this one I call the thumb of power. So if you imagine if you have a fist, and you've got your knuckles facing away from you and you've got your thumb at the top and you're making a fist, you're pointing it out at somebody. But then if you relax your top finger and relax your thumb and then curl your top finger around the tip of your thumb, that's now what we call a softened fist. So, And you notice that this was a, used to be a favorite of Bill Clinton. He used to do this all the time. Oh. This is what we need to do. This is what's important. And Barack Obama, in his president first inaugural address, he did, used that gesture 93 times. Wow! So, and you think about that's a, that's a 19 minute speech, so that's a, a that's a right. high frequency because it's such a successful confidence gesture that people know I've got this, I'm in charge. This is what we're going to to do. So that's just one of the the soft and fist gestures. So what people can start to do is they can, they can, they know what they're looking for. It's a lot easier to find something when you know what you're looking for. And I yes. talked about, I talked about the, uh, the, the ring reassurance gesture. Right. So when I was watching Donald Trump's uh, uh, second impeachment trial in January of this year, I was watching one of the democratic prosecutors. And when he looked across the, de- the Democrat side of the house, you know, he, he was quite confident. But then when he looked across at the Republican side, obviously he's getting a very different feedback from the Republican side. And at one point I noticed that he did the ring reassurance gesture. Uh, 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 Joe Nagus, I think was the gentleman's name. He did it 14 times oh, in wow. one minute. Oh, wow. So he, was, he, he must have been getting some seriously yes. filthy looks from the Republican yes. side. Of it, he needed that. Somebody loves me. Somebody loves me. Somebody loves me 14 times oh, by touching his, his wedding ring. So it gives people something to look at and go, ah, yes, I see these people doing it, whether it's behaviors you wouldn't want to do or behaviors you would want to do. And because it, it really raises their awareness. I think it's a brilliant product for that. Yes. Well, I, I just want um, to make a statement about the confidence gesture with the bit. So imagine a fist with the top, with your four fingers around Relaxed, your thumb. Yeah. Well, when I was a 
little kid and I would point at things, I got in trouble for that. So I started bending my finger Uh (laughs) (laughs) to point at things so I wouldn't get in trouble. And now I know that I was giving the confidence gesture at age five. What a precocious uh, five-year-old. I don't know that it helped any, but I know I didn't get in trouble for pointing. So that and, is and, who, and who was it give you that feedback, Laura? Was that your parents' guardian? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my mom's. Rude to point. Well, exactly, because pointing is rude because it's one right. finger. It's one finger away from a fist. It's a very much a an or else gesture, isn't it? Right, but I was using else. it like, why is that lady <laughs> fat? You know, you know the typical five-year-old <laughs> things, or why is you know who is why why this or why that, and just you know pointing at different things, and I was always getting that don't point at people is rude yeah <laughs> it's actually one it's what it's actually one of the power play cards pointing at people because it's quite oh, offensive it is yes. actually one of those power play gestures that people who are really trying to over assert themselves will go you didn't you and it's like ooh, it's like a real because it literally is that's the way i feel it's like one finger away from a fist right so the so the intention is very the meaning is very clear it's like this isn't negotiable Right. You know, and so it, we, the TV program, The Apprentice. So you had, uh, well, actually, it was a big success in the US and over here in the UK. What was fascinating to me was that the gentleman in the UK version was a man called Alan Sugar, and you had Donald Trump, who was right. the in the US, and both of them used the same gesture when they said, "You're fired," and it was uh... the point. Because wow. the last thing they want, they don't want a negotiation. They don't want to go, well, actually, Mr. Trump, you know, I think, you know, it's you're fired out of here. Final. Get out. You're done. So it's, it's quite an aggressive gesture. And both of those hosts, both sides of the Atlantic, did the same gesture when they were firing people. They both did the point. I wonder if that was on, if their director said, make Part sure you point of people when you fire them. That, that will raise our ratings. As curious. That's very interesting. So I saw uh, on your LinkedIn profile that you have some in, inside information and intelligence about how to use body language to decrease or diminish Zoom fatigue, which yes. is like a, a pandemic on top of the other pandemic. So t- tell us something. How can we use our bodies to um, mitigate Zoom fatigue? Absolutely. So the big thing that is important about communicating over Zoom, which which we got all introduced to last year, now it's something that we're doing five, six, seven hours a day. Yes. And the, the idea that, even, even though the technology has changed, our base psychology hasn't, human beings are still primarily visual, particularly right. in our first impressions, particularly in how we, how we judge other people. You know, first impression is primarily visual, done in the first couple of seconds. You know, we, you know that's our, still our primary sense. The thing is that people are on Zoom because we're actually not seeing physical people our brain starts to kind of go, well, am I really talking to somebody? Am I in a room talking to myself? So therefore, we don't tend to behave in quite the same way. The other thing is that when we're interacting with other people face-to-face, um, what I'm doing right now is I've made a big effort. I've lifted my hands up to almost like shoulder height so you can see them. Right. This is not a natural place for us to gesture. No, I would normally not. gesture down here, you know, around my waist. But if I do that... 
uh, as I'm demonstrating now, right. Laura, you can't see what no. my hands are doing. You've no. no idea. So we think we're communicating in an engaging way by using our hands because they're literally out of frame. The other person can't see them. They're not getting that same visual engagement. If you're not giving out something that's visually engaging, it's harder to look at something that's less right. visually engaging. Right. My right. personal belief is part of that fatigue is like, this is my boss speaking. I really need to pay attention. I really need to listen to what he or she is saying. But because we're missing that visual engagement, it's maybe 10, 20, 30% harder to give the same level of attention because we're not getting that physical piece. And this is on the assumption that they've got cameras on. When right. cameras off, it's right. 10 times worse because we can't see the person at all or the person communicating can't see the person, people that they're communicating with. And then their body language deflection tends to go down. And then that goes to the voice as well. You know, right. so the, oh, does it? Absolutely. So there's a whole idea, another one of my posts is called motion drives emotion. Motion drives emotion. So when we move, it helps our, our, our voice. It puts punctuation on what we're saying. And if you look at, I, I love watching any documentaries where like actor, they get films of actors doing the voiceovers for movies. And there's a right. brilliant clip on of Aladdin, 1992 uh, movie Aladdin. And of course, you've got the late, very great uh, Robin Williams. Uh, and when he's got, and when he's got the microphone in front of him, you know, he's not, he's not. The, I mean, he's there. He's going, and then I popped out, and then I went here, and his arms are flying all over the place, and his body language is going everywhere because all of that translates to the voice. Uh, we so we can true. hear that. We can hear all of that. So right. if you're not gesticulating, not only are you less visually engaging to the people that you're talking to, but your voice will flatten. The inflection will go. It will start all sounding quite samey. And it's no mistake that hypnotists speak in a very deep, monotonous tone. Because <laughs> right. as we all know, that's the way to keep people awake, engaged, and <laughs> energized. You know, there's there's a right. reason hypnotists talk right. like that because it literally puts people to sleep. So if you're if you're not gesticulating, then you, it's harder to do that vocal inflection. It's harder to do that vocal interest. So that you know the mind, body, voice—they're all connected. And when that happens, think so. Think about less visual engagement sounding more like a hypnotist think of the pressure that puts on the the listener's brain right plus it's a little TV square i'm a rectangle just a few so you have to work so hard or worse still they just give up right and and they're not listening so then people go why didn't people hear what i said why didn't they follow up on those things because you just made it so hard for them to listen to pay attention to get the messages that you wanted to to put across so I think in many respects, you could argue that body language is even more important on Zoom than it is for face-to-face for those for those reasons, because the difficulty inherent in the environment. Yeah, that's so insightful because it's it's definitely true that it's more cognitive load to try to pick up signals. Sure. So using your hands helps. And uh, but I didn't think about the connection with your voice. So it would Mm. help somebody to avoid being monotonous if they use their hands. I I think so. So if somebody just says, Hey, Martin, I want to be more effective with my body language. Besides taking one of your classes, like what, 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 what's your like 
most common tip for, to get started on this? Hmm. Well, actually, it was interesting. You, you talked about Zoom um, and some of the, the cards we talk about. Uh, I, I, if ever I'm having a bad day, one of the things that I will, I will do to cheer me up is I'll go onto YouTube and I'll, I'll just uh, search for airport arrivals. What? <laughs> airport arrivals. So watching people greet their loved ones at airport arrival halls. Oh it's just one of, the most cool. one of the most beautiful things. And you see what, what I call the reconnection embrace. So long before there's a function to it, people will stretch their arms out mm -hmm. to say to the people who are maybe you know, 5, 10, 15 meters away, I'm so pleased to reconnect with you. So they, they signal that. You know, we, we may not have seen each other for six months, but boy, have I missed you. Boy, do I want to reconnect with you. So they stretch their arms out wide. They will raise their eyebrows. Like, hey! And they'll smile. So you get these three behaviors. They raise their eyebrows, big warm smile, stretch their arms out, all of which is saying, I've missed you. I can't wait to reconnect with you. I know we haven't physically been together, but our relationship is as strong as it ever was. So you come on to Zoom. I mean, you, what's, what's the business equivalent of that? You can go, hey, great to see you. Just do the right. eyebrow flash right. and smile. The basics, smiling. People forget to smile. You know, it just says, true, hey, I'm pleased to see you. I, I'm, I'm glad we're having this opportunity. You know, what a great idea. I've missed you. You know, that, that the basics of, of that. And often, I often say that, you know, I see it all the time. Really nervous people forget to smile. Okay. When you're really nervous, people forget to smile because it's not if they've got too much caught up in the performance right, anxiety piece. Right. And then somebody else comes in to do a pitch and they're more relaxed and they go, hey, it's great to see you all. Thank you. And they go, boom, we like, yeah. we like this guy. We like this woman. Yes, let's hire her. You know, instantly, just from the get-go, just before they've said anything. So remember the basics. Remember eye contact. Remember smiling. And remember posture, the way we carry ourselves, you know, the way we sit, the way we stand, the way we walk. These all send out constant messages to the people around us. So some of those basics, start with those. Start with good levels of eye contact. Remember to smile. Carry yourself particularly well. And then start to become aware of what you're doing with your hands. Self-awareness is huge. That's, a, that's, a big, that's one thing that, that the people can do. Uh, be, be aware of that. If you don't want to, if you don't want to buy the cards, you don't want to buy my online training. Just go to watch people that you like. So if you think Steve Jobs was a great presenter, great, go watch uh, on YouTube and go watch a Steve Jobs presentation. But ask yourself, why do I like Steve Jobs? What is it about Steve Jobs that's that that is grabbing my attention? Start be curious. Start to see if you can figure out patterns of what your favorite presenters are are doing if you like uh alexander let's go pol politics alexandria ocasio cortez you know fantastically dynamic woman you know I, I, only 36 years of age i mean she's she looks like she's been a public speaker for 36 she doesn't look like somebody who's who is public speaking at the age of 36 so if there's a particular politician or business leader you think is really dynamic watch them what are the traits what are the repeated behaviors that you will see those people do, because that what that that's what you're responding to, whether you're aware of it or not. Part of it will be part of it, of course, will be what they say, 
big chunk of it is how they look whilst they're saying it. And then another part portion is, you know, how they say it, that, that tonality, all that voice stuff. But for me, the big, the starting point is curious. Be curious about how other people communicate, how you communicate, what are the patterns, what works, what doesn't work, and just start to really become much more aware of what was in front, what's been in front of us our entire lives, but we haven't uh, necessarily noticed it. That is so good. That is, I love this. And also because the 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 difference between the candidate who gets chosen for the promotion or the job yeah or or selling something and and the number 2 it's it's usually something teeny tiny it's usually something qualitative not quantitative it's just a feeling that people have because they have oh, that absolutely. feeling and then they justify it well with oh well she, he has 7 years of experience and he had, he or she only has five or they just find that justification, but it's always made on that feeling they have about the person, whether or not they admit it. And that feeling is based on, I think that trust that you're saying yeah. or, 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 or their, the perception that you're relaxed or you're smiling and you, and, and that you've got it, that you're, that yeah. you can handle it. Right. And, and what the irony is, that so many times the more highly conscientious person who actually does know more has more skill because of their conscientiousness. They let things like body language or, you know, brain freeze trip them up. And so mm. those are the people that I uh, help work with the most is helping that those highly competent, highly conscientious technical wizards to show let people know connect with people better and let let others know that they really do know is even if they're acting nervous they have the the competency and there's just i think this will be so helpful i can't wait to share this episode with a, a lot of uh, clients to hear these tips that you've shared and tools specifically to to communicate better in general, but specifically on Zoom, which is where all of us are. So, mm. are you are you traveling to the United States very often? I, I used to in years gone by. I, I I used to work for a couple of clients over in the states, but I I've sir, I've not been on a plane in almost two years, and I I can't see me doing that in the near future uh, well, either. You, unfortunately, I, I think it'll, you know it, it'll it'll come back around. I think, but I think with the world has shifted, and I think there's so much that can be done. It's been proven that it that it that it can work within within this medium. But there is that also that thing about human beings, you know, that just what we call pressing flesh, you know, just shaking yes. hands with somebody and, and looking them in the eye. I, I you know that's still inherently part of our psychological makeup. That you know, you, we, we our brains don't develop that fast. It right. takes you know, generations for those kind of things to change. So we still need that face to face interaction sometimes is to get that final right we're ready to sign on the dotted line now we're ready to hire you we're ready to work start working with your company so i still think that's that is definitely part of it but i think the challenge then is can you do it over zoom can you use your voice and your body language so well that they go you know what we're happy to do it without a face-to-face -face meeting we're happy right. to give you the job, hire your organization, buy this product, invest in this organization without having that face-to-face. -face. And that, now there's a challenge, there's a benchmark to go for. Can I be so good on Zoom? They say, you know what? 
we don't even need to see you face to face. We're ready to go right now. I love it. Most people do. Well, that's what they want. They want to be able to keep, there's just so many benefits, even though there are drawbacks, trade-offs, like with everything. So Martin, this has been so wonderful, so helpful, interesting. I'm sorry that the people listening cannot see these cards, but if you want, you can email me and I'll send you a picture of of them, or you can just check them out on Amazon, or you can find uh, Martin Brooks. He is on uh, LinkedIn. Is there any other place they can find uh, more information about you? Yeah, sure. I've got quite a few free resources on my website, which is successthroughimpact.com, successthroughimpact.com. There's quite a few free videos and tips and bits on there, and then links to my uh, paid content where I've got an online video library of 101 video tips on how to be able to communicate. So that's called Body Language Communication Mastery. It's a hundred complete video library of 101 video tips where people can can download and learn huge amounts about how to use their body language. Awesome. So good. Well, I appreciate your taking the time to share your wisdom bombs with my community (laughs) and uh, maybe we'll do it again another time. I I, um, really appreciate your generosity with us. Thank you. Thank you for your time, Laura. And I hope your listeners can get some real actionable tips out of this and go out and communicate with more impact and create the success they deserve. Absolutely. All right, guys, I will see you on the next episode. Take care. Bye-bye.